1: And welcome to the nineteen twelve Exiles podcast, the Newport County podcast made by the fans for the fans. I am Jamie Harris, and I am delighted to say that joining me on this episode, I've had not one but two debutants. We're uh, we're in off season, so we're, we've got some trialists, trialist one, trialist two. Um, but first of all, uh, we will give them their actual names. We're we're not doing a preseason friendly here. Uh, first of all, we've got uh, Dan Grace. Dan, good evening. Hi, Jamie. And also joining us on the podcast, we've got Ian Ellis. How are you doing, Ian? Uh, not too bad. How are you doing, Jamie? I'm doing very well, very well. Because we've got lots to get through this evening. Um, there's been so much going on um, over the over this uh, summer, over this June. It's the, probably the busiest June the club has had in quite some time. Before we do get into that, though, I just want to you know introduce yourselves to to the the podcast and the listeners. So, Dan, like when when did you start following the county, and and um, probably the more important question to us fair weather supporters, why?
2: So it started really, um, early 2000. So the first football game I went to was when Wales beat Italy at the Millennium. And I was got I got really hooked on it. Then obviously thought football was going to be amazing watching Wales beat Italy 2-1. Um, and then I just wanted to go watch some more football, basically. So my, uh, my dad and my grandfather took me over to watch County, the local team. Um, and then it just grew from there really. So a few less people that, um, <laughs> at Spity Park in those days. And there was, they were at the Millennium Stadium that night, but, um, yeah, you get
1: hooked, don't you? Yeah, well, you get hooked if that's your first football game that you've attended. That's absolutely <laughs> incredible! Uh, what a story! And Yein, uh, welcome to the pod. Um, yeah, when did you start following the county?
3: Probably early to mid two thousands when it's when Wimbledon were in the Conference South. And I thought Wimbledon, they're a fan owned club. If they can if they can win it, so can we. And then we went and won it, and I thought, ah, oh, this football game's easy. Then yeah, we did go up again. Then. I had what could be described, or was described, as both the happiest and saddest burrito with Jamie, actually <laughs> watching the great escape via, I think, live football scores until the had a few beers, yep. not not enjoying ourselves. Eighty ninth minute, the goal went in, and it was like a light bulb had been flicked,
1: and ah, uh, reignited think I've been your much
3: more religious in following exactly much more religious in following since then
1: yeah yeah i remember that day well the great escape unfortunately i couldn't get we couldn't get over to rodney parade but we we shared um uh, we were planning on drowning our sorrows but then it turned into a celebration so um yeah oh what a day that was um right let's get straight into it um like i say we we wanted a quiet summer we were trying to explore fun things like like football shirts and 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 the club communities work uh, but there's been so much going on off the field in recent weeks, so yeah, we we thought we needed to sort of pull pull some uh, expertise together. So yeah, last month saw a trust meeting where the club revealed a 1.2 million hole in the books, which um which we explored um, in a previous episode, where um, uh, you might have heard Ed and Ollie reacted to to that news. And then since then, there's been another trust meeting and the club AGM to sort of examine what might happen next. And then the same week it, um David Buttress uh, he took over the dragons and, and Rodney Parade or or Nets plans to, um, which could you know have ramifications. It could be good news for, for County, but it's a whole extra dimension of intrigue. It's really like fascinating stuff. Now, Dan, you were at the trust you were at both of those trust meetings, weren't you? That's right. So uh yeah, what what were your sort of general um you know initial reactions to to you know what you heard at those meetings? You know, the the idea that obviously we're looking for investment, we're looking at uh, different types of models, uh, maybe hybrid models or you know, a potential sale um itself. Um yeah, what is your sort of gut reaction? Did you come out of those meetings kind of uh in a sort of buoyant mood or were you concerned? How are you feeling?
2: Um I kind of got uh two solid. They they felt like two very separate meetings to me. So the first one, um, I think that Ed and, and Ollie covered in uh, a previous episode. That one, you know, pretty shocking, really. Um, it was pretty surprising to see those figures laid out right in front of you. Um, yeah, and, and there were some really tough questions asked to the board there. I, I think they were probably probably fair. They needed to the, the questions needed to be asked. It was quite a um, it was quite a difficult atmosphere in the room that night. I, I, I felt. Um, but then coming into the second the second meeting, um, obviously the one that's happened more recently, um, there was kind of quite, I felt like quite a bit of a change in in the atmosphere in that one. It was more, um, now we know the situation, how do we move forward? So obviously you touched on there, there was a the discussion about the, the the three different options. Um, and I do kind of feel like the board at the moment may have recognised in the past that, especially with communication, it might not have been as strong as it, as it could have been um so yeah at the last meeting they they laid out the three options um obviously the trust model as it is the the hybrid model um and going into well getting rid of the 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 trust pretty much altogether and and going with that majority shareholder um but the last meeting was a lot more positive i thought and it really did feel like people have started kind of rally around the situation and think about how we can move forward
1: yeah yeah it feels like i don't know i mean i've I've kind of had the impression that we've maybe slept walked a bit into this situation not necessarily the finance situation because obviously we're yeah we're always operating at a loss like many clubs at our level are um but I just think it's like we we sort of like relied maybe on uh this core group of you know trust members who who obviously have a a, a say and 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 really sort of get things done um I was actually looking at the numbers like i I think it was announced that we have just under a thousand trust members at the moment, which like when you compare it to other trust owned clubs and you know Exeter is always like held as like the you know team to sort of look up to and they I think they've got at least four or five thousand um I don't have the exact number to hand, but it's certainly a lot more than a thousand um do you reckon we'd maybe i don't know um I may put this to you Ian. Yeah, do you reckon we've 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 been a bit complacent with um how we've sort of dealt with getting people involved in getting people to want to be involved in the trust?
3: I'd say definitely.
1: I saw something on Twitter the other day where it
3: laid out the different levels of membership you can have in the trust. And I thought there was just the one level. And I'm quite an enfranchised fan. I thought it was just the five quid level. And if you wanted to put a bit more in, you could. I didn't realize there were different levels with different benefits. And that feels like something the trust really should be advertising. And I'm well. They've got my email. They've got my email address. They could have just sent something over. I do want to bump it up to a tenner. Do you want to bump it up to twenty quid a month instead? And I probably would have done. But it's that sort of thing. They just sort of ticked it over. It wasn't. I can't remember exactly when it was. It wasn't too long ago. It went from five quid a year to five quid a month. And I thought that was a sensible thing to do then. Yeah. But it's. It seems uh, the board is quite a small group of people with various skills, but there do seem to be some some gaps there that need to be filled either with an outside appointment or some more volunteers to try and sort. Because there must be people in the area who know how to properly market things and things like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, what you're saying there as well, like, yeah, the, the people who are on the board, they've done a fantastic job with the, you know, let's be honest, they're, they're, you know, a lot of volunteers and it's fairly limited resources. And, you know, we, we've always on the spot, given them the, the credit where it's due. But, um, yeah, perhaps this is the time now where they can. And I think, um, I think they have, um, Put out that they're, you know, obviously assessing the skills that they 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 do have, and maybe the skills that they need to search for. And I think that that comes in with uh, at the same time as as Dan, what you were saying with with the trust and 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 people wanting to sort of find a solution and people being maybe a little bit more active. Uh, yeah I, I I feel kind of posit- more positive about it now um at least speak- speaking to or hearing your th- sort of thoughts Dan um you said like the second meeting was much more uh, positive and, and buoyant um was it just people literally just you know putting putting themselves forward or was it just you know offering suggestions Is that yeah the kind I of- think
2: it was it, it was more um in the first meeting there were very tough questions asked to the board which I think were justified um they definitely identify sort of gaps especially in communication um i do sort of in defense of the board a little bit i think they may have realized the issue earlier this this calendar year and obviously didn't want to distract from potentially obviously we, we didn't have our league status secured so you can imagine if maybe they announced this this was a potential issue say in january february time you only have to look at other clubs in in the football league how sort of distracted teams in the past um but i think that first meeting was right we've done wrong here's your opportunity to ask questions um sort of understand how we got to this point. point second meeting was very much we now understand the issue um how do we move forward and i think um obviously like social media it can be pretty toxic sometimes but yeah. um on twitter and facebook lately it has been great over the past week to watch people kind of mobilize and be sort of realize you know club's in a bit of a hole at the moment, you know, we obviously have these options in the, the mid to long term of hopefully finding um, a potential investor, you know, but at the end of the day, that's not guaranteed. You know, we'd all like to think that we're going to find a, a person somewhere in Newport who's willing to, you know, put money into our football club. But at the moment we're a trust-owned club and there's that gap at the moment. So it's been great over the, the past few days to see people kind of mobilising and up in their trust membership, getting, you know, relatives, family involved and, and getting them to join the trust. Um so yeah, that you, you can I think you can definitely sense a bit of a shift now. Um I think we all have a collective responsibility as a, you know, a trust owned club, you know, to, to keep the club going.
1: Absolutely. And yeah, I like I say, I I feel Kind of positive about it you mentioned um obviously looking for for investment um and looking for investors who are local on the on the other side of the uh the the rodney parade uh uh coin as it were um obviously we've had quite a interesting bit of news come out about uh you yeah, know the, the buyout of the of the dragons um from the wru um uh consortium led by david buttress now we actually spoke with mr buttress i think it was a couple of years ago now during the during the pandemic and we we re-released that episode um so if you want to go back and listen to listen to that um episode it's uh it's really interesting uh really interesting listen yeah and i'm just going to come to you because um for, for the uninitiated um uh into into rugby and egg chasing i i have to admit i'm not the the biggest or most knowledgeable uh, rugby expert here. Um, What's been going on in like a nutshell? I know you were telling me um, before we uh, came on, uh, that we could do a whole episode on on the Dragons and the turmoil that they face. But yeah, in a nutshell, what's been going on there?
3: In a nutshell, so I think it was 2017 when Newport and the Dragons were completely out of money and they couldn't afford anything. We're essentially going bust, but... The Wru Welsh Rugby Union needed four regions to support the national team, so stepped in to buy the Dragons. And as part of that, they bought Rodney Parade from Newport RFC or Newport Athletic Club, whichever one actually owned it. For I think it was two or three million quid. It was a it was a bit of a steal that they got the the, the mm. ground for. Fast forward a few years, the Wru has has been looking for someone to buy the Dragons for a while. I don't know why it's taken this long to sort out, but the WWE have had some issues of their own to run over those. They've not invested wisely whole hoo-ha about the board, um, but they seem to be sorting themselves out a little bit over time. And as part of that, they finally sold the dragons. And I think it's good news that they sold the ground or in the process of selling the ground to David Buttress and consortium as well. Though details of the, who is in his consortium is a bit short in terms of in terms of details, but I did see a tweet from David Butcher saying that his dad, who's a big county fan, wouldn't let anything bad happen, otherwise he'd be disowned. So I'm reasonably confident that that is going to be a good move, and I wouldn't be surprised to find out if, with this new long-term lease, they're going to negotiate with uh, to use Rodney Parade that there isn't some kind of, you can have it for a peppercorn, but I get X shareholding or something like that arranged in the background. Cause that's, that's what I would do. Um, But then I'm not the runner of a very successful business. So uh, I think that would be a nice thing to do. I think I've spoken before to you, Jamie, separately about if we won the Euro millions, what would you do? And my, if I won the Euro millions would be by the dragons, by Rodney Parade, by, Newport County, maybe build two stadiums next to each other on the on the cabbage patch next to it, or something like that, so there's less pitch issues. This is money unlimited, obviously. But I think um, a guy like David Butcher, clearly a successful businessman, knows what he's doing, wouldn't, wouldn't do this without some kind of backing, and Newport County being a successful club is a very good revenue stream for the stadium he's just bought. So overall, I think it's a good thing.
1: Yeah, you could think in the back of his head maybe there's maybe there's a phase two that he's not told us about um, that he's sort of eyeing up, Um, but maybe it would you know bring in those two clubs together under like an umbrella ownership. Maybe that would make it a more um, attractive proposition for for any future investment. Um, I don't know. I mean, does that excite you, Dan, at all? Like the the potential idea of like having this Newport community sports complex um yeah with two professional uh sports teams there
2: yeah you could see it couldn't you it's nice to <laughs> it's, it's it's nice to imagine yeah you kind of think of maybe um Swansea and, and the Ospreys uh, Swansea City and the Ospreys is a bit of a a model maybe if you're if you're thinking of that obviously they were in a similar situation being trashed do guess, like this as a football club I can't really uh pretend to be as, as much of an expert on the egg chasing as, as the iron but um <laughs> um but yeah um that would, that would be nice
1: wouldn't it but yeah exactly we'll see it, i mean you never know it could um yeah it, it could come to fruition it might not um uh, but we can always dream can't we yeah and also um you know the the, the potential uh you know under one ownership uh, two clubs it could mean things um other efficiencies on things such as you know the ticketing elements the finance element the the club shop element as well um so it could be um a more enticing proposition than than you know maybe a, a, another unknown uh, investor, but um, I'm sure we'll just take what we can get right now.
2: I think that last point you were making, Jamie, there regarding um, regarding future ownership as a, as a whole just kind of highlights how important it is that whatever decision is made going forwards, that if we bring some sort of external investment on board, that it is really carefully considered. Um, obviously, at the moment, we have a lot of control over our club being a, a trust-owned club. Um, I know the communication has not been the best over the past, the, the past probably couple of years, but obviously if we get an external investor come on board, um, it's in, it could be entirely their prerogative, whether they communicate with us or, or whether they don't. So, um, obviously we're just thinking, you know, in regards to, um, the, the dragons and, and David Buttress, you mentioned a vision there and it would be great if any potential investor has that sort of vision going forwards for County. Cause I, I think that's really important that, although mistakes have been made with the trust model in the past, we can't just accept anyone into our club. You know, it needs to be the right investor for Newport County, and it needs to be someone, if they're going to come on board, who's going to add value and, and take the club forward and, and hopefully progress us. Yeah,
3: yeah, I'd uh, agree with what Dan said there because we've we've seen what an unknown American investor can do for Newport County
1: Football Club in the past, so. Let's be careful. Yeah, I think that's a very valid point. All right, uh, enough of that, uh, well, not doom and gloom. We, we're trying to be a bit positive about it, but um, admin, admin and finances and things like that can be a bit boring to talk about. We're going to talk about some on-the-field stuff now, a bit more fun. Or well, it would be um, if uh, if our uh, long serving players didn't keep leaving us. We've lost um, Cam Norman, we've lost Priestley. Um, as of, I think it was yesterday, we heard Aaron Lewis is leaving the club. Um, we've released Matty Dolan already. Wilmot's gone. Lewis Collins has gone. Um, there's been quite a few players who are sort of, yeah, who've now left the club. We're still waiting to hear on Mickey. I think if Mickey leaves, that could be a massive blow. Yeah. I mean, look, we obviously know about the, the financial situation. We know that, yeah, we, we've got a tight budget that we've got to adhere to. I mean, yeah, and do you feel a little bit, I don't know, how are you feeling about all of this? like The the fact that we're seeing the, the big names um, leaving us for, for, also for teams in, in our league as well.
3: And It's not like they are stepping up or being tempted up a division. When when Telford left, left I could almost accept him going to Crawley because they've got a bit of cash behind them, but I think Aaron Lewis is going to Mansfield. A little bit of money there, but uh, Priestley's going to Wal, Warsaw, I think. That's not they're not the big money clubs you'd expect them to move to in the division. So it's, yeah, I think it to go back a point, it does link in a little bit to how the club is being run. And I think not chucking cash after players, no matter how good they are, is a sign the club is being well run, but also a sign that we need a bit more money. It is a shame to see them going, but you can't really blame the player either for this. It's a short career. They need to make as much money effectively as they can uh, in, in the time. But I do think we're looking a little bit thin at the back now. It's gonna be interesting to see who comes in. But I don't know. Yeah. Graham likes likes a likes a bargain, so we'll see what he can find.
1: Yeah. Um is I mean, Dan, is that where your concerns lay as well? Um, the defense side of things. Yeah, yeah.
2: I I don't think the midfield's looking too bad at the moment. Um, obviously with the Charles who signed in January, Morris, um, still got Scott Bennett there, who I think is gonna have a big, big role to play this season with especially with the leaders who've left. Um will dig hopefully he could have a big season for us but at the back we are looking particularly light at the moment um especially right back um at the moment you'd like to think that um obviously we we, think, we hope that harrison bright's got plenty of potential and it's nice to see someone coming through but i, I think he's pretty much our only out and out right back at the moment so um yeah right back and and um and send back, especially i think we're looking a little bit light um potentially up top as well um I know we supplemented in January getting the the loan signings in with with Kavanaugh and McNeil um hopefully these the start uh, fit for the the start of the season but um we are looking a little bit light up top as well so yeah I think at the back and and up top we definitely need a a couple more in
1: yeah. Right back's such a funny one, isn't it? Because we over the years we've either had this like ever present who's been like incredible. I'm thinking like uh you know, Liam Shepard, uh, you know, recent years. Um, and then you know, going back in further than that, I think uh, we had Jackson there for, for a while and he moved up the leagues. Um but it's either that or it's just square peg, round hole, like right? Robbie Wilmot playing at right wing back or something, or yeah, moving a, a centre half out there or or something. So yeah. I think this is this is gonna be the year where we're struggling with a right back unless we can find this incredible talent or Harrison Bright is ready for, for League Two action, which um uh, having not seen much of him, I'm not sure he is, to be honest with you.
2: I, I do think right back, especially when you look at
1: the way we played last season. I mean, the amount
2: of goal kicks that Day and Townsend used to try and aim at, at Cam Norman, he was he's quite unique in being such a, a tall fullback. Obviously, we're so used to some of the smaller fullbacks. He was such a good outlet for us to kind of hit those dead balls, um, you know, it was a big part, you know, wins the flick-ons, he won so many fouls for us in, in dangerous positions. Cam Norman was such a unique player for us that I do think that's going to be something that's that's quite difficult to replace.
1: Yeah, and he chipped in with a few goals as well. Um, like, I, yeah, I think, well, the last game I was at at Gillingham, he got one of the goals, um, which is fantastic. Um, but yeah, and uh, I think we're also... Maybe missing a, a bit of his sort of wind-up antics as well. Um, I think we're going to have to rely on uh, James Clark to do that, aren't we? To, to be the wind-up merchant of the side. But yeah, Dan, you mentioned like you feel like we're we're looking alright in midfield. Um, that kind of brings us on to some of the newer signings that that, that we brought in. Um, obviously, I um, we we did bring in a. a, a uh, a centre half, Kyle Jameson, um, who Jamieson, um, who is not the New Zealand fast bowler, but yeah, in midfield we've got uh, Bryn Morris, who's sort of come over. Uh, we've got uh, Nathan Wood as well. Um, how are you feeling about about those signings in particular, and, and how they'll maybe complement the likes of um, Bennett and Charles Uh
2: Nathan Wood, I find quite exciting. It's interesting that we're starting to, you know, more and more look at the the Welsh Premier League as a as a Kind of, I don't think there's too many other clubs in League Two who are really looking at that, that market for players. But obviously Priestley came from there and has, has served us really well. Uh, Will Evans, um, he's done really well. So I think it's, you know, Nathan Wood, I, I don't think we can expect too much of him straight away. He's got to adapt to, to the Football League a little bit. Um, but hopefully that's another one that could come good for us.
1: Maybe we should be utilising our connections with these Welsh League clubs a lot more. Um just you know, obviously because nobody else is right now.
3: I think we should. I think it's not not necessarily an untapped market, but if you consider the kind of players we're recruiting, we're either going to be recruiting from Company Premier or uh, Conference North, Conference South, Conference or National League, sorry, um, level players. And a lot of scouts, if you're gonna to, going to pick someone playing from the conference or, or the national league um just for the, the density of clubs but there's going to be fewer looking around the welsh league so i think there's there's definitely going to be gems there and we found some uh, and i think we'll, we'll find more gems more frequently i think we'll find some decent amounts. it's going to take a few punts i think and some won't pay off but that that's the nature of it
1: yeah and of course uh yeah the other the other the guy we uh, got through is james Waite as well who um I still feel he's waiting for his breakthrough season and Will Evans. Um there's a load of him. I think I think Will Evans is gonna have his breakthrough season next year. Um I I want James Waite to do well, but I'm I'm just a little bit concerned that he's maybe not quite got the you know what, what we need at this level. Um don't know what you think about that, Dan.
2: Well, it's it's interesting, obviously talking about next season. Um you got two players there. Will Evans, I know when he played in the Welsh Leagues, he was a left winger. James Waite, um, I know played off the bright. So we're obviously assuming that, that Cochrane's gonna go uh stick with his three, five, two, or five, three, two, or whatever you want to call it. But um, those players, they they give us options, you know, to to potentially move to a a four-three three or a four-two-three-one, something like that. Um, if Cochland decides to go that way. Um, so yeah, I I I really like I, I like the idea of looking at, at the Welsh leagues. I think. I, I can't really name one off the top. I'm sure there has been one, but I can't name one off the top of my head over the last few years where we've we've took a pent on them and, and they've not ended up getting considerable game time for us.
1: Absolutely. So what about some of the other signings? We've got Bryn Morris in from Grimsby and Matty Bonswell, a defender in on loan from Newcastle.
2: Um, Bryn Morris, um, I know he's not, uh, I don't think he's played above I might be wrong, but I don't think he's played above thirty games in a in a season um, for quite a while. Um, so if we can keep him fit, he could be a good signing for us. But I think that's that's going to be um, the main thing. Um, Bonswell is the one that kind of excites me. You'd like to think. Um, I think he, he was he had, he spent some time at Leipzig. I know he got some caps for the uh, the England youth sides. Um, he went on loan to Shrewsbury, I think. Last season, I know he couldn't get a game, but you'd like to think with with that pedigree, there must be something about him, and hopefully he can maybe be a bit like Adam Lewis was down that left flank for us. But I mean, it's part of the fun of the league 2, isn't it? You never really know until first um, day, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was actually going to say, I was, uh, uh, I put the some questions to the, to the uh, other chaps from the the nineteen twelve Exiles pod, and uh, uh, our man on the the uh, Northern Ian Street, he he's got a Grimsby mate, uh, and he says basically. Bryn Morris is exactly the person to keep it simple in midfield, competent and unspectacular but does what he does well. Um, sounds a bit like Scott Bennett, doesn't it? Um I think our our issue particularly last season was a bit of creativity or lacking creativity in in midfield. So, um yeah, hopefully the the, the sort of more attacking prospects um yeah, maybe Charlie would be the, the one sort of like getting those getting those chances created. But really, it could be it could be the season Defining season for big Omar Bogle up front. Yeah, he got a lot of goals last season. Yeah, and, um, yeah, of of what you've seen of, of Bogle, um, are you, are you hoping he'll kick on? Are you Are hoping he'll, he'll have his sort of breakout season? He'll be top scorer in League Two. He'll get 30 goals for us and he'll take us up, or, or am I dreaming?
3: You might be dreaming a little bit the same I was dreaming <laughs> about David buttress taking us over. I think he's going to have a good season, but it depends how we play him. That was, um, An assessment on this podcast, I think, that I agree with quite well. When we played him as a big target man, that wasn't his game, despite being a big lad. When we play him as the creative attacker, he scores goals, and he started to get back into the swing of things quite nicely towards the end of the season. It's just, are we able to keep him well supplied? I think we will be able to, but it's whether we'll be losing games 4-3, that kind of thing, with the, the lack of depth at the back. So I think he will have a pretty good season if he has a pretty good season it'll probably be his last season with us because that's the
1: way these things work um but I've got I've got faith he'll do a pretty good job I yeah I had a sort of lot of thoughts about Bogle um at the back end of last season in particular the type of player that we would play you know we'd play that sort of like little little man in McNeil or Cavanaugh running off him I'm not convinced that's what he needs I don't know what you think Dan what the kind of strike partner that that Omar Bogle needs to succeed.
2: Yeah, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because um I think like like Jain touched on, you know, I think you've got to play him in the um in the right way. I'm still quite hopeful that Zanzala, you know, he 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 seems to have been so unlucky with injuries over the past couple of years, not just last season. If if we could keep him fit, there was definitely something there, you know, between the two of them that they, they could work well off of each other. you kind of almost need someone, I think, to occupy the space for Vogel. Um hmm. Whereas sometimes it kind of feels like you're using Bogle as the person to occupy the space for someone else. So yeah, um it's it's a difficult one with him. Um, I do think though, to be fair, second half of the season, he really does seem to relish sort of trying to bring on those those younger players. Um and especially like I I touched on earlier with, with us losing a couple of leaders, you know, I'm I'm quite um negative about the Mickey situation. I think he's probably gonna go. But um, you know, Bogle I think is gonna have a big role in in being that you know, within probably that leadership group, you're looking at Bennett, Clark, Vogel. Um, so he's going to be a big player for us next season. But yeah, all about how we use him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think particularly the the young lads who who probably will get a little bit more game time and that Kiban Rye as well, is probably going to get a few more games. Uh he got a, a couple of um uh, sub appearances and a start at the back end of last season. Yeah, you're going to need that experience, um, and that, that leadership. And maybe that's what he needs. He just needs, you know, the responsibility, um, of, of that leadership. One area where we're certainly not short, um, is in the goalkeeping department. Uh, as, uh, Nick Townsend signed on for another season of battling it out with Joe Day for, for the number one spot. Um, uh, yeah, and were you surprised that he, he signed on? Um, maybe this is gonna be the other year the season where he's he's gonna start as number one again.
3: I was a little bit
1: because he's he's a decent league two
3: keeper. He's he probably shouldn't be on the bench as often as he is. But then Joe Day is also a very good league two keeper and has had pretensions of being more than a league two keeper in the past. So it's I don't know which one I would pick on any given day, because when I've when I've watched games and one of those a mistake, you think oh Joe Day would have saved that or oh Nick Townsend would have saved that. But I also think it's a good thing to have two competent keepers keeping each other honest.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Dan, if you were if you were Graham Coughlin, who who are you starting opening day?
2: I think I think I'd probably go with Townsend just about, but I, I'd agree with you, I, they're both two solid lead two goalkeepers. We're quite lucky in that regard. I'd i just like to pick one, to be honest though. I, I it kind of I think it helps in 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 defence, you know, having you know more of a settled back line, and and I, I just kind of sometimes think it, it it can't help chopping and changing all the time. I'd like just just one to be one to be picked. So I'm not I'm not too fast on who, but I'd like us just to stay consistent with one for at least the first couple of months of the season. I think.
1: That I mean, we've we've spoken before on this pod, but it really we feel it really kind of dents the keeper's confidence if um, if you have one bad game and you get dropped. Um, obviously, if you have a series of bad games, you can get dropped. But then, of course, you've had a series of bad games, which as a goalkeeper, if you do that, it probably costs your team points. So it's um yeah, it's a real um real difficult situation, and that's why um that's why Gray and Copeland the big bucks to make these decisions. All right, yeah, we we're gonna leave it there. We will be back with um, future episodes before the season kicks off. As I mentioned earlier, we've uh, re-uploaded the David Buttress interview, which we did a few years ago. Yeah, we've got uh, another episode coming out in in a week's time, uh, Ed was saying. And it'll be a welcome palate cleanser after the uh, recent Zoom and Gloom, um, as Ed spent a few hours over at Rodney Parade last month chatting with the county in the community about the work they do. Uh, and hearing from participants in and their fit fans program. Yeah, it's a really uplifting reminder of some of the the really excellent work the club support in the community. So so do tune into that. But with all this bonus content, um, yeah, we, we've had to shout out a bit of extra for, for hosting these uh, excellent pods for you this month. Um, so if people do want to chip in towards the cost, there is a link in the show notes to our Ko-fi account, ko.fi accounts, um, where you can just throw in a quid or two towards our running costs. Or if you're interested in being sponsor of the pod next season, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you get a mention in every episode, regular social media plugs. Our DMs are always open, so do reach out um, if you're interested in that. But until then, it remains me to thank very much um, to both of our debutants, Dan Grace and Yann yeah, Ellis. Really appreciate you coming on and sharing your views on everything that's going on at the club. Uh, but yeah, until then, as always, everyone, keep it county.